Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. When your space has the long-lasting, noticeable scent of Airwick Vibrant Scented Oils, you'll want to invite everyone over, from book club to the fantasy league, even the in-laws. It smells amazing. Airwick Vibrant Scented Oils are infused with two times more natural essential oils versus regular Airwick Scented Oils for our most authentic, nature-inspired fragrance experience. Hmm. Transform your space with scents like white sage and mahogany or lavender and water lily. Now that's a breath of fresh Airwick. And now, join Kevin Hart as he dives into the minds of some of the world's funniest comedians. This is Comedy Gold Mines with Kevin Hart. Welcome, world. Welcome to Comedy Gold Mines. Where we do what here? What do we do on Comedy Gold Mines, huh? The world can tell me. The world can tell me. As a matter of fact, I know you can. You know how I know? Because you're listening and you're loving it. We get inside the minds of amazing comedians. And oh my God, today, what an amazing mind we have one of the most creative, one of the most active, one of the most physical, one of the most brilliant fucking people to touch a stage, touch a joke, and include the perks of life's surroundings in these jokes. I'm talking about JB motherfucking smooth. JB, welcome to Comedy Gold. You say on the old TV shows, you said a mouthful. I said a mouthful. You know, my wife has never heard me give an introduction on Comedy Gold Mines. And judging by her face, JB, she's blown away. She's never, she's never heard it. She's blown away. JB, I believe in starting my podcast off by giving flowers, right? Uh, this is a positive podcast, JB. I love it. And out of this podcast, stories come out from the individuals that people know. And, and within those stories, they find things, uh, they find things out. They discover shit because a person goes in depth about their life and about their trials and tribulations, etc. JB Smooth, I'm going to outright say it. You were responsible for my stage identity early on in my career. Kevin Hart did not know who he was on stage, so Kevin Hart was a parrot. I mimicked those that I saw. And JB, you acted as a major influence, a major influence, because what you were doing on stage was so magnificent that I felt that's the only way that I can be funny. Mm. You would come out to music, you would do things and incorporate music. Um, you know, you were so physical uh, with, with falling, with uh, using a stool, standing up on a stool. I mean, literally, like with, whatever, whatever you felt like you wanted to do, you would do. And I said, that's what I need to be. That's who the fuck I need to be. I think, uh, yeah, man, I think, you know, when, when we start to develop our brand of, of style of comedy, you know, it, it's always, you know, um, it's always great when you see potential in someone, you see what on their path. And I think, uh, yeah, man, that, that's a, a compliment, man. I, I think that, I think, I thank you so much for saying that, Kevin. You know, um, I mean it. And, you know, and that's, and that's when, Comedy's changed a lot. It ain't what it used to be. Yeah. You know, you talk about no. you talking about no cell phones, you're talking about 
had to pull over to make a phone call or you driving down the road to go to a show. Everything was different. It was a different process. It was like making something from scratch, basically. Yeah. There is no shortcuts. Yeah. There was no shortcuts back then. Well, the thing that I think this younger generation, you know, has no idea of is, is what you're the pioneer of, right? And when we're talking about that inclusion of music, um, you know, in with the set, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what action took place and what tone of, of music could you attach to said action to amplify the action? Like, you, you, are, you are the creator of the movie scene in your bit, you are you you are the creator of oh my god I'm in the chariot, I stand up in the chariot and motherfucker we start going fast and the music comes on and you going fast all of a sudden you've turned your live performance into a a a movie you you've turned it into a, a real clear visual and that physicality that physicality was one that everybody gravitated towards everybody gravitated towards oh my god JB motherfucker smooth you see the shit JB everybody took a piece of that. Everybody took a piece yeah. of that. Now, whether they'll say it or not, that's not up to me. I'm going to say it because I know where the fuck I got it from. And it, and it right, took me right, quite right, some right. time to get out of that, to, to find my own voice. But for a while, you know, it was, it was following the trend of what you know works. What I want to ask you is how did you develop that comedy style? Where did that come from? I think what, what happens is in my, in, my, in my development, in my process, you know, I got lucky. I got a chance to hang around some really good, funny ass people who would never put their ass on stage ever. They would never microphone, but they were funny as hell. So I got lucky, man, in, in that process, mm. you know, growing up in New York, of course. Um, but I've always been a visual guy, you know? And I think what we do is, as comedians, because we love to do, uh, the one thing we love to do is make people laugh. So we got to find a way to make people laugh. But every comedian has something about them that makes them able to be a comedian, whether it's a defense mechanism, whether it's a, uh, a dream of theirs to do, but we all got something wrong with us that makes us want to make people laugh because that's our defense mechanism. If you, go to, if you go to jail, the first thing you're going to do is try to be funny to keep motherfuckers off you. You know what I mean? Or you're going to be trying to be tough to keep people off you. You got two choices. You're going to be trying to be tough Absolutely. or you're going to try to be funny. And I think that's what funny does when you're in high school and you're the, you're the class clown or whatever you are. I think you find a way. And when you step on that stage, you know, that's when you start to find out uh, what you want to give to the to the world and how much you want to give to people because we are we are our own therapists sometimes. We, we, we got to be. Absolutely. You're helping people, but you got them and helping yourself too on stage. You know? When you talk about stepping on that stage, what... How did you find the stage? How did you how did you get to the stage? Like, what was the decision for you to get to stand up? You know, uh, of course, we all have been inspired by somebody. I was inspired by, um, just like you said earlier, you you were inspired by my style, um, and and I was inspired by comedic actors growing up. You know, I love I love Red Fox, but I also love George Carlin, and I love Goddamn Sims. Mm. I love watching mm. movies where people brought things to life. Mm -hmm. And I felt like that was going to be my style when I stepped on that stage. And that's something I've done since I started doing stand-up at Uptown Comedy Club in New York. You know, you, you didn't get a chance to experience Uptown Comedy Club because you, you, were, you were too young and you didn't start comedy yet. Yeah. 
I heard about oh, it though, JB. They say that bitch. Oh, man. They say it was nothing like it. Nothing like it in the world, man. National Black Theater, lines around the corner, all these personalities. But this is the one thing I will say about the Uptown Comedy Club. It forced you to be original. It forced you to be uh, uh, something unique on that stage. And because we all were a part of this workshop, you couldn't you couldn't mimic anybody. You couldn't you couldn't do it okay. because we all shoot okay. at night in the workshop, working on bits, sitting around in a big circle, Andre Brown, Kevin Brown, and was kind of like if a bunch of the Avengers were sitting around in a goddamn circle comparing their powers. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, Superman can run. He can run fast as hell, but people know his ass for fly. You, you don't attach Thanks. a high fast Superman can run. You know he can fly fast, but you don't like, if you want to, he can run his ass off. He's still Superman. He can run like a motherfucker. But you know him for flying. So we, Absolutely. All, yeah, we all sat around, and we got a chance to... Uh, work on our unique styles, and it, it was nurtured. You know what I mean? It was it was respected and, and nurtured to the point where that's all you knew how to do was your style. So when you got introduced mm-hmm. at a comedy club where people come every week and they love to see the comedians, they already know when they call your name what they gonna get. They know what they gonna get. They know your style already. Oh, I love this dude. Oh, oh I love this dude. You're one of my favorites, and you are here. People laughing before you even grab the mic because they already know this dude a nut. He's a fucking nut. I mean, the thing though, when we when we're just talking about styles and, and and you know in that beginning time, the thing that you know I'm 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 just gonna kind of stay on for a second is just how how you honed yours, right? So falling falling into that groove of knowing the type of comic that you were going to be, um, falling into that space of like, okay, I got it, I got a handle on this shit. When did you get to that point? When did you get to the point where you started to shape and mold that bitch into the place of, I know my lane. This is where I'm going to be. This is who JB Smooth is on the. Stage. I'm gonna tell you when I when I really honed it in. Um, Always being someone who loved to improv, to improvise, to be the, the party starter, to do that with nutty okay. stuff in the moment. Quick thinking, uh, painting pictures was my fan. You know, painting, paint, painting pictures on stage was my fan. And what honed that, what really got me figuring it out was I took an improv class at the improv comic book. Oh, wow. Okay. This was an improv class, right? And what happened was, I said to myself, I want to figure out what I want to be on that stage before I walk on that stage. Took a little improv class for the summer. Right after I finished okay. that improv class, that improv class, that club, improv, improv comedy club in New York, shut down. It went away. There is no improv in New York anymore. So after that summer class, so I took that little, that little tool and put it on my toolbox. And from that point on, my whole style was improvising. A lot of that stuff you see me do in my, in, on stage, I make it up in a moment. Yeah, I know I don't work like that, but I re- my brain, wow. I work off of decibels. So when I hear laughter, it makes me turn the screw even more. It makes me keep going. And milk, people just call me mm-hmm. milkman because I used to milk the shit out of jokes. I used to go on stage and do one joke for 15 minutes because I'm listening to us to hear as opposed to just, I, I never had, I had bits, but I would do the bits different every time I did them because I never relied on the joke itself. You are notoriously known, I, I call it getting all the meat off the bone. 
you're not gonna leave you're not gonna leave uh, a, a piece of chicken on a plate and right. with, with 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 meat on it. You know, when it comes to telling a joke, you're gonna beat that joke the fuck up, and not in a way to where you know it's bad. I remember you had a joke about uh, this guy with these shoes. He said, "Look at this motherfucker's shoes." Look at this motherfucker's shoes. God damn, look at these goddamn shoes. You said he said you said he had shoes on and he said it looked like he had on two was it two left feet. He said he was leaning oh, to the side. Oh yeah. Uh yeah, yeah, turn over shoes. Shoes are turned over. Stand up on Yes. Yes, the, the shoes was turned over. You said, look at this motherfucker's shoes. And you just keep going. You'll say something, say something, say something. And it always came back to look at them motherfucking shoes right there. That motherfucker got them goddamn shoes on. Look at this motherfucker's shoes. <laughs> you just keep. First, I gotta, I gotta make you understand where we at. If I say I'm in a club one night, guess what the audience sees? A club. Mm-hmm. If I say I walked in that club and to have a good damn time, I see the brother walk by me. If I do this right here and, and I pretend the dude walk by me, everybody. One time I looked up, looking at like looking at the dude walk by. I looked at the audience, look and watch me. Look at the dude walk by. And guess what people did? They all turned their goddamn head like that dude was walking by me for real. And I think when you start getting pictures and you put people in the club with you, they see stuff like that. And I think that, that's what makes a great joke is, and Absolutely. that joke can change so much. Like you said earlier, I take everything at my disposal. If it's a certain, if it's a certain kind of microphone, if it's a certain kind of, if there's a curtain behind me, I got four or five jokes I do just because of the curtain behind me. If it's a brick wall behind me, I do. There's certain things that you can do. I can lean on that brick wall. You can't lean on no curtain. So it's a certain, every every night changes because of what's given to me. You know what I mean? And I think, you know, being a visual comedian, being someone mm-hmm. who, uh, who's, see, and, and I think that's, you build something that you don't know you're building sometimes. You know, and I think taking that improv class, I take, I'll tell anybody, take an improv class. It's going to give you skills that you will never know you even needed. The ability to listen very intently. You know how much fun we have on the, on the set? A real husband? We, we, of course, we got a little script there, but we, oh we don't God. follow that damn script. Oh my God. We're doing what is, what is actually no, no. the ability to listen and the ability to know when to say something. And that's something that a lot of people don't have. Some people have a set, uh, some stereotype set, and they run right through that set. Here's my, I like to, I like to, it's like going to war. You want to, you prepare for, that's, that list of jokes is your, is your game plan. Or that list of jokes is your battle plan. And you walk on that battlefield, right? You already, you know how you, you see Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. They had a big table and they had they moving things around and telling you we're gonna attack to the north, you know. And, and you get out there on that goddamn field, and and you, and you the general, you in the front, and, and all the people behind, all, all the all the warriors behind you ready to charge. You say charge, and you start charging, and someone yell, "Hey, they behind us!" Oh shit! Man. <laughs> <laughs> You gotta turn this motherfucker horse around. You gotta, you gotta turn this motherfucker around. God damn it! Open up! And he can do it! He gotta run through. And he gotta run through the goddamn, the goddamn men to get back to the, to the 
front of the fucking back. You fucked up. You fucked up. Now everybody out of order, because everybody knows and put the people in the front who, who, who are able to be casualties because they don't give a fuck about them. They die first. Now they got the people who die first in the goddamn back, Kevin. They in the back now. Now they got to come through and, and let, can we get back to the front? <sighs> now all your good men are in the fucking front. Now you got to... Oh, my God. You gotta really, that's the thing that happens in your head when you're not either getting a good laugh. You're like, oh, I planned this set. This is what I planned. So I go on stage with no plan. Now, here's what I will tell you, though. I wouldn't recommend anybody do that shit. I wouldn't <laughs> say to any young comic, do what the fuck I, I, just, I did. I yeah. wouldn't recommend it because you can... You can steal jokes, you can mimic people, you can do all these things, but the one thing, the intangibles are, you still have to have those little nuances of things that you need to fucking progress. Well, you're, you're I mean, you're talking about a, you're talking about a talent. Right. I mean, of course, you're not you're saying that you wouldn't recommend this, of course, to the younger generation, because what oh, you're talking oh, about. Oh, doing, there was no plan. Unless yeah, this is this is a you, yeah, you got to be willing to take the good with the bad. You got to be willing to say, oh, you know how hard it is being a physical comic and get off that goddamn ground when the, the laugh wasn't as big as you thought it would be. And you got to get the fuck up off the ground. And you done did all that physical shit. You 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 on the ground slapping around like someone with a. Pretend some a fish or some shit. You laying on down flapping around and you a goddamn fish or some shit. And come from that goddamn audience. You got one. Not one. Not one. But you are you're you're special in this place because once again, this is a style significant um or 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 special to you because of what you do so well. Um, you know, to the younger generation, it is good to be prepared, you know, have an idea of what you yeah. want to do, have a little more structure. But to be able to float in and outside of feeling, uh, that's a different level of talent. When did when did comedy change your life, JB? When did the money change for you? Right? When did they go from doing spots to oh my God, like I'm a I'm a well-paid headliner. You know what I did, though? Here's the one thing that has always been something about me that I, you know, I always felt like you can always make money. Okay. You can always make money. As long as you, you're healthy, you know, as long as you have your health, you know, which is a blessing to have is your health, um, support. So you, you, if you have those things, you can always make money. Mm-hmm. Connections, mm-hmm. you know, relationships with certain people, you can always make money. You know, you show on time, you stay late, all the intangibles that people will call you back for, you're pleasant, that right there mm-hmm. will last forever. Money can't. So I, I never, I've never been one to count my money. I've I never been one to count the money. I go about, you know, uh, if I like working with somebody, if I like a certain club, if I like a certain that makes me go back because, God damn it, I had a good time. And it's all mm-hmm. this shit, man. Well, mm-hmm. We all want to make money to support our families, but I think what, what lasts longest is memories <laughs> and the fun part about doing what we actually do. You know? Absolutely. Yeah, and I think that's a big plus in, in my decision-making on everything I do. Um, I do think that, um, you know, and, and I've been blessed to be able to do so many different things. 
like God bless anyone who wants to be on the road of their life. And they just, they just love, they just love comedy clubs. But I use stand up as my vehicle, of course. My vehicle was use stand up as my vehicle to travel. That's going to be the thing that makes me travel a little bit. You know, it helps my timing. It helps me uh, being able to get on stage and being able to uh, connect with people, build my following, uh, have people love. You know, my shows are sold out all the time because I, I do it all the time. Specific thing that is love. And, um, you know, I'm up there, you know me, I can do, I'll probably do three hours if I wanted to. I, I was going to say, JB, what is your, what are you ending your set at these days? Are you, are you an hour? Are you two hours? What are you doing on stage? Right now on my tour, I'm doing an hour and a half. Hour and a fucking half. I've, ne- I've never been a 15 minute comic. Never been, you know, God in my damn. early days, I would do 10 minutes, but you would, but I'll do one joke for 15 minutes, you know, sometimes. And, you know, it's not a lot of, but it's, that's that one joke, you know, that's hour the fun thing about day. it. Oof. So, you know, and I, but that's my, that's my rhythm, you know, that's me going in different places with it and then being able to, um, you know, that's kind of the fun part about it, you know, and the uniqueness of being able to go on that stage, entertain people and hold them. The thing about it for an hour and a half, that's the, that's the, that's the key. And that's a long, by the way, to our listeners, that's a long fucking set. I mean, right now I'm doing 58. I'm doing 58. Yeah. And that's, yeah, I'm doing 58. <laughs> and I, I didn't say 55. I didn't say an hour. I said 58. I took it to the dot. I'm, I'm out of there. 58. That's a long fucking time, right, right. be. That's a long goddamn time. Sometimes I see it as, here's another thing I see it as. I see it as almost like doing a play. Okay. And that's how I got to think about it in my mind because I am literally, and people can tell when I'm making shit up. They know it. And they fucking, they can tell by my expression that I just made that shit up on the spot. Because I truly believe you, if you're gonna do a style like this, like what I do, you open. Which is why the set turns into that long, because you end up going down, a, sometimes the audience is driving, and you're a passenger. You literally are a passenger in that damn car, in that show, because they're driving uh, where you need to go at. Okay. You know, and you can tell by what they're laughing at, so you give them more, well, whatever they're laughing at, you, keep, you give them more of that, you know, um, which is, which makes the show unique, you know, um, and, and I think that's what, you know, that's what keeps me uh, entertained, because I truly believe you got to make yourself laugh also in this thing, because otherwise you wouldn't enjoy doing it, and you're really only doing it for money, or, or you're only doing it for girls. I, I had, a, I had a, a dude tell me that one time, one time on the road. He just said, you know what, I'm only doing this shit for the girls. Oof. Ugh. I said, ooh. Ugh. I said, well, you when you get back to a regular job again at some point, yeah. you will be. <laughs> when this don't work. Hey, well, when, when this don't, five, when yeah, this don't work out for you, brother. That's what you should say. This ain't gonna work out. Yeah. You you manifest you in other people way right now. So get the fuck out the way and stop doing it for that reason. You you are you are in the way of other people who are dying to do it. time up on that stage because all you want to do is get off the stage, meet girls, 
or whatever. Your, your you passion, know? your passion is in the wrong place. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. For 25 years, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. Let's talk about your transition, man. Let's talk about the transition from uh, you being the stand-up comic. Um, you know, you then, of course, going and becoming a headliner. And now we're talking about the world of acting and, and opportunities that come from it, right? You are you are a fucking go-to guy. You're a weapon. Um, you are known for the funny, to be the funny, you know, uh, big screen, small screen, whatever. What was the first opportunity? What was the breaking moment for you? Man, Kevin, I've done it all, man. I, I will say this is 32 years in. 32 bro. years? 32 years in. Bro. Good, JP. 32 years in. And, um, you know, blessed to be able to have as much fun. And, and that's why I say, you know, I, I'll say this. God bless you. Because, you know, Here's the thing that you have to maintain as Kevin Hart. You, you know, you are at, you know, you know how people say there's a ceiling. You got to always keep your hand on that ceiling. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. You got to keep your, you got that ceiling right there where it's at all mm -hmm. the time. Because people expect Kevin Hart to be, Kevin Hart mm -hmm. is up there. Kevin Hart is, is up there. You, you, your hand is mm -hmm. on the ceiling. You know? You can jump up and touch that mm -hmm. motherfucker, but they are in the middle of the room somewhere. They about up here. I'm cool as shit being right mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. I always go up. As long as I don't go mm -hmm. down, I'm cool. But if I can just do this for the rest of my career, and that's why I've been my whole career, is I've, I've had these peaks and valleys that are awesome, that I got a chance to, you know, the first thing I've ever done, you know, I've done everything. When I first started doing, like I said, I went to the improv class and I started doing stand up, you know, I did extra work just to, just to see how I felt to be on really? set. Really? Yeah. see how, how, old, how old were you when you did the extra work? Oh, shit, man. I'm probably 19 years old. Wow. Maybe. Oh, I just, I just was doing fun stuff. I said, I'm going to try to hang out on the set and see what it's like, you know? But that's me starting out in stand up, starting out, just still trying to figure out sets here and there, but doing that type of stuff. But, you know, um, and of course, I've done literally everything. I did the first, when I, once I started getting going, um, I did the first pilot on uh, uh, on MTV, uh, Apartment 2F, the Scar Brothers. You know, I worked with, you know, one of the first movies I ever did was a movie called Tomorrow Night, uh, Louis C.K. Um, uh, you name it, man. What do you I, I, What do you think was your breakout role? What's the role do you think uh, that you had that catapulted you into into this space of like uh, consistency within within work? I would say, 
it's hard, man. See, my 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 path bounced around a little bit. You know, um, as far as what I did in New York, doing all the uh, everything I had to do in New York, I did. You know, um, all the shows, uh, Friday night videos, and all these kind of shows I've done as stand up. But when I got into the acting part, I think the sketch came before the acting. You know, of course, I did Pootie Tang, one of one of the first. Yes. Yes. Crazy bigger movies and then just started building from there one day i was um i was on a radio show one time and the dude pulled up my imdb and he started reading stuff off and it was shit that i totally forgot about i, I ain't gonna lie he pulled the imdb up man and, I was, and he started running stuff off um it was so much shit that i forgot about that i did <laughs> so i couldn't believe it i was like oh shit i forgot about that you know, uh, there's something called short attention span theater. I did a lot of firsts. I did a lot of firsts. You know, a lot of, you know, and that's a blessing because uh, someone will call you for their pilot. Someone will call you for their first. And I think that's one thing that helped me a lot was to find myself. Um, TV and film, that kind of stuff, you know, um, if I really go back and count, there's pockets of stuff, man. I can't even like, I can't even pinpoint like what. You can't what, pinpoint the what, one thing. You you can't, can't go even, to the. I don't think there is. It's like there is no one thing. Mm-hmm. Going back to what we talked about, I don't think there is one a one thing. I think everything that I've ever done helped. You know, the commercials, uh, lending my voice in animation. You know, um, TV, film. You know, I think all of that right there, you know, uh, made me like a, um, a chameleon, you know, a chameleon okay. of some sort, okay. you know, and, and that allowed me to do so many different, different things. So some people get lucky in their own. I'm, I'm like this. I'm all over the goddamn place. I'm doing things that I like. I'm doing things that I love. And my phone, my phone rings like a motherfucker. So here's, here's the thing that I think is important. I turn down more things than I take. Mm, I like that. I like that. Take every goddamn thing. I, I don't take everything. I take what interests I like me or, or what I think I can show up and give you the director what you need. If you 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 you're going to be there for a reason. Mm-hmm. You know, either we mm-hmm. have a past relationship or you you want me to uh, give you something that you're missing. And, and that's and that's what. As long as the phone keeps ringing, man, I can do this shit forever. Because yeah, like before I come early, I stay late. I give you what you want. I make sure uh, I'm pleasant. All these intangibles are what keep the phone ringing continuously. You know, I make sure. I like that. Um, that's the thing. That's the that's the one thing that I think that's missing in a lot of people's. Um, a lot of comics, a lot of actors' um, DNA is the intangible things that really matter the most. Um, you you can get there and do your thing, but if you get there and do your thing, and people don't like you, or people feel a weird vibe from you, or you, or all these different things, it changes your direction. It changes how many times your phone gonna ring. You sit there and stare at the goddamn phone and keep picking the goddamn phone up. You think the phone broke? Your phone ain't ringing, but you know, I think you know, 
there, there's just no, I hate to say I don't, have a, I, don't I don't believe in plans. Cause I truly, I believe in the way I do it. And yeah, I was going to say, it's not, I don't think yeah, it's about you. I can't tell anybody to do it like, like me. I can't I don't tell think it's not, it's not you not believing in the plan. That's just not, you're not a structured, you're not, the, the structure has to, these bricks got to go in a row. That's not, that's not what you are. That's not who you are. You are no. a, you are a, a nomad to a certain degree. And you know, you're the guy that's going to figure it out, but you also have fun within the approach to figuring it out. And whether yeah. that be on stage, whether that be uh, towards the things that you want to do uh, yeah. in, in the space of acting, the opportunities come, but like you said, you're not taking everything, but some amazing opportunities have found you. Tell me how the Larry David relationship happened. You know what? Here's, here's another thing. Yeah, that started from, I, I will go back, I'll jump back a little bit to one, being a big fan of the show. Big fan of the show. Uh, two, leaving LA, um, coming off a Cedric Entertainment Presents sketch show, loving it, loving it, having a great time. We only did one season, that was terrible, but we, um, you know, <laughs> we, uh, it, was, it was an amazing show to be a part of. And yeah. our, uh, opportunity, Came. This is my. It will be my second time auditioning for Saturday Night Live. Did it? You know, it was holy shit. Twice. Oh, twice I went for it. Um, Tracy was on the show that time, the first time. Um, the second time I did it, um, I actually made it over to my NBC test. So I made it over to the NBC test. Um, it came down to finesse, Keenan, and myself. Mm. Great, great opportunity, man. You know, they gave it to finesse. Great, by the way. By the way, this is a great class. This is Ooh. a great fucking class. Great class, man. So they gave it to Kenny and Finesse. I got um, They called me. I ended up, uh, they ended up offering me a, uh, a writing job. So okay. I had to sit there like, God damn, I had something on the table in LA. So I had to see, I do things for different reasons. So I said, you know what? Uh, should I go back to New York? And I was like, well, you know, it, this would look great on my resume. So in other okay. words, I, I, I'm a seed planter. I'm gonna do that. We'll plant a seed and see what grows out of it. So okay. that's what I want to see being planted, and me from actually auditioning and making it to the. You know, any people with prideful, they would say, "Nah, fuck that. I, I went for it. I went for a, a, a cast member. Fuck, I'm gonna sit behind a goddamn computer and type some fucking jokes for them. Somebody, some people say, say that. Like, nah, I'm Not good. This is." This is great information because I bet yeah, people, yeah, people say that. But I, I say, you know what? I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna take a chance. So this is gonna look good on my resume. I go back to LA. I knock out. You know, I do. Uh, but here's my thing. I'm gonna, her, but I'm, gonna, I'm gonna jump for it in a minute. So what I did was I got there. I said, put the New York hustle on it. So what I did was I went back to New York. I was a writer on the show. I did warm up for warm up for two seasons on the show. Oh. I was in monologues here and there, sketches here and there. And I fucked around, and Colin O'Brien was still at NBC at that time. So I ended up doing Colin He called upstairs. This is what I mean by planting seeds. You know, a bunch of writers down on Conan found out I was at the best typing fucking jokes. They said, Jamie Swoop upstairs? He's a writer? They said, and they called Lauren Michaels and said, can we borrow JB here and there? Man, I did Conan O'Brien probably eleven times while I was working at SNL as a writer. Just because they heard, because they heard you were upstairs, they heard yeah. your B is up there. Holy yep. shit! 
This is an this is a relationship that we would love. He would call to. my he would call Lauren. He would call my call my call my office and say, JB, it's Lauren. Uh, Cohen in and wants to borrow you for a sketch. You know, I'm gonna help him out and come on back upstairs. I'm gonna go down to the elevator, go down there and do a sketch, get back in the elevator, come upstairs, get me back behind the goddamn computer, typing goddamn jokes. And that's five fucking checks. If I count my right. My warm-up check, my monologue check, my once in a while being the sketches, and my Conan O'Brien check. That's five checks I was getting just because I love to do those things outside of what I was. I like, of course, I like those more than I like writing because I was in front of the camera again. But so then I did three seasons on SNL. My fourth season I didn't get renewed. But here's here's my three seasons on SNL, JB. Writing for three seasons on SNL. What year was this? Um, oh four. Um, five and six. Wow. Yep. Holy yep. cow. Here's the thing. Here's, here's the chess move part of the business. You got to have confidence in what you do and be content with the decisions that you make based on what you bring to the table and having that confidence in what you do. I, my fourth season, I didn't get renewed my fourth season because I said, you know what? I need a change. So I was already on the show. Here's how my movement was. I didn't even have an agent when I was on the show. You know, I got that just on strength, you know, hustling. And here's what I did. I fired my agent. And knowing that I would more than likely not be going back to SNL. A lot of people will be saying, nah, fuck that. I need my job. Remember what I said? I said, nah. I just don't sit right with me. My movement is not sitting right with me. I'm not being met in the middle. I'm doing more. I'm hustling for myself more than what my agent is doing. Mm, okay, you noticed that you you were out you were out working your agent. Yeah. And I knew if I got rid of my agent, I wasn't gonna go back to SNL. I knew that there would be no one to speak up for me. You know, people speak up for you. They make sure you... I said, nah. I said, I know I'm not going to go back because once I fire my agency, I'm not going to go back. But that's having enough faith in what you do, knowing you'll find something, something else. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition, wherever you get your podcasts. So, from the time I let my agent go, from the time I uh, left, um, I got back on the road doing a little stand-up. I was watching Curb one night. Me and Shaw were watching Curb, right? We loved that show. We were laughing our ass off. I said, baby, I'm listeners, that's his wife, by the way, just for context. Oh, yeah, my wife, Shaw. So, I said... I would love to be on this show one day. We'd laugh in our ass off of Larry. And then um, I said, you know what? You're going to be on that show one day. She said, I can see you and Larry together. Mm. Yeah, let me tell you something how the universe works, man. Holy cow. I tell, I tell everybody how the universe works. Holy cow. Sometimes you throw things to the universe and you don't even know why, but 
I said, I'm going to tell you, a month and a half, I signed with a new agent, right? About a week or two after I didn't go back. Got back on the road again, do a little stand-up. Let's just, just stay, stay busy. Sign with a new agent. I go on the road. I'm in. And um, I had a show that night. Just got back to the, get back to the road. My phone rings. And someone says, uh, hi, JB. This is, um, I'm a friend of OG. Now, OG, OG Pierce, OG was a uh, producer. He did the song, This Is How We Do It. Okay. This is how Montel Jordan. Me and OG about to make This is how we do it. Okay. That song, great friend of mine. Great friend of mine. I find out he passes away, right? He passed away. I was like, oh, shit. I said, baby, OG passed away. So, and I met OG on the Cedric Entertainment Show. This is so crazy how this this story goes. It's all lining up. He was doing, he was a music producer on the Cedric Entertainment Show. That's why I met him at. Team, good friends with him. You know, get the phone call and say he passed away. I said, oh my God. Uh, so I got to go to LA for one day, one day for his memorial service. One day, pay my respects to OG, and I'm going to come on back home. I get out there. I said, you know what? I'm going to go visit my new agent and say hi to him. Just to, just to say what I'm going to do. Moving forward, now that I'm not at SNL anymore, I'm gonna tell my new agent what I want to do. So I go over there, yeah, you know, you know how you go to the agency and they got all the goddamn blue suits around that fucking table. I don't know why they all got that fucking blue suit for some goddamn matrix. You know, they all around that goddamn table, <laughs> right? You're at the head of the table, and they're like, "So what you want to do?" And all these motherfuckers duplicates of each other, and they're all sitting around that damn table. And I said, "Okay," uh, I said, "I don't know yet. You know, I'm kind of feeling it out." But you know, from behind that damn computer. But then one of them walked in and said, hey, man, I got an audition here. I don't know what you're doing, but if you want to, uh, I want you in town. So I leave town tomorrow. Only came in town, my buddy passed away. So I said, what's it for? And they said, Kirby Enthusiasm. I said, get the fuck out of here. I said, I love Kirby Enthusiasm. They said, can you go right now? I said, hell yeah, I'll go right now. Office, cold, not knowing shit, Kevin. See, this is what I'm talking about. You don't know what path you're going to drive because you can't plan anything no more. I couldn't plan that. I couldn't plan in a million years what just happened. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I go over there. I go over there to the damn audition. Everybody's in there. Everybody's in that motherfucker. Everybody I know is in there going, about to go in. I'm like, oh, okay. Hey, everybody's over here, you know? Uh, comedians. Uh, Male comedians, everybody, they gotta build this family that's gonna be standing with Larry David on the show. So I already decided, I know what this dude is. So my thing is this I, I, I told people, this is a great thing to do uh, for if you have if you have a character there. I go in the room, I like to go in my auditions as, as a character. character. Good shit, JB. I don't like going in there as myself. So you gotta turn them up alone. Yeah. Uh, you like putting the character of Leon. You know yeah. what I'm saying? It's too much of a separation. Now, you go in that room, Chuck. See, that's how my improv skills came in. I came in that room. Hey, can I walk in that damn room? I shook shit up. I came in and the character. I came in and my chest. Yo, they don't want to call security because they didn't know who the fuck I was. I'm walking there looking around, like looking around the room, like, yo. So, what's up? I walk in there, shock like this. Just walking like Leon walk. Have my little head tilt going on. Larry said, 
I said, okay, let me They said, you're going to improvise with Larry. I said, oh, cool. Let's do it, Larry. I said, I don't know anything that can happen. I'm like, I might fuck around and slap you in the face. I don't know anything that happened. And Larry looked at me like, what the fuck? Like, he looked at me and everybody, the producers, like, like, what the fuck is this dude? You know, what the fuck is wrong with him? You know, and, I, and he just started, he put a smirk on his face. And that's when I knew I had his He had his ass. ass. He had his ass. First See, of all, first of all, I'm let's drive. just I drive the car. You, you walking in the room as Leon is brilliant. Let's just let's just acknowledge that. Fucking brilliant. Oh. I, I just just you going in that bitch with the tone of attitude and Leon, it's it's game changer. Game you, changer. Now you control the room. You control the room now. See, I'm not at the mercy of the producers or Larry. I'm driving the goddamn car. How long? See, how long? Is now that, see, now that, guess what that is? What that's, is that? That's a stand-up yeah. part of it. Yes, that's, that's a stand-up. The stand-up came into play. Stand-up, but it's also me taking that goddamn improv class fucking 1991 and putting that tool in that toolbox until I needed it. Mm. Until I needed it. I still use stand-up. I still use improvise, improv in my stand-up. But I put that little tool in that toolbox. Now, who would know I would go from taking that class, putting that tool in my toolbox, greatest improvised show in the history of TV. It truly is. It, it, it truly is. And and for, for our listeners, JB, who may not know, you say the greatest improvised show in the history of TV. How much of a script do you guys actually have? Outline. Maybe eight-page outline. And no dialogue, zero dialogue, outline, whatever you want to do, whatever your, you know, whatever, you know, here's the thing I love about it. You create your own, basically. So you got, you got, whatever you say goes, basically. Yeah. This helped me because my character didn't have an origin. He didn't know where the fuck I came from. All he knew is. He developed it. All he, yeah, all he knew was Vivica was my sister, and I just came to the door because I found out she was there, and I ended up living in the damn house with my sister. And that was my, that was the funny part. Every time Larry said, no, no, you live with me. No, no, no. I live with my sister. <laughs> oh, I, don't fucking, I don't fucking know you, Larry. My no, sister lives with you. What the fuck I look like I living with you, Larry? I don't live with you. <laughs> what the fuck I look like living with you, Larry? I don't know you. I don't even know you. Why can I live with you? Fucking know you, and funny ass argument we had all the time on set. I don't live with your ass. I don't fucking know you. That relationship now, that relationship that you guys have, of course, has grown. Um, I mean, you're in how many seasons? How many seasons have you been on now? Oh shit, man! I've been on what? Shit, that's five seasons. Five seasons. Goddamn. Let's shift gears. Let's shift gears. Let's talk about let's talk about the goddamn the JB Smooth Kevin Hart relationship. We do a show called Real Husbands of Hollywood. Yeah. We knock out five seasons and we take a break, a significant break. And you know, we then make the decision to come back and do it again. The whole band gets back together again. Talk to me about the reemerging of Real Husbands of Hollywood and what this project is for you. This this is a great man. This is. You know, we always talk about this. I've been blessed to be able to have, by design, the ability to do multiple things. 
you know, um, we we you know, a few seasons in in Real House of Hollywood of how I do have this multi demographic that I can mm-hmm. play around with because I I I, I perform in a straight line, you know. Some comedians have, you know, the black people do this, white people do this, jokes and shit. I I perform more in a straight line, so I listen and listen because of the variety of things that I have done. I'm well-rounded, okay. meaning I can do I can do curvy enthusiasm, which is probably a majority white audience. I can do tilt that. I can do the Millers, but at the same time, I can do such entertaining presents. I can do the Chris Rock show. I can do Real Housewives of Hollywood. Yeah. So, you know, and I'm, and that's the one blessing I will say. You know, even if I tell people, you don't have to do, but understanding, understand both types of shows, so you stay busy. And being able to do Real Housewives of Hollywood, you know, that is, it allows each and every one of us to play this crazy, over-exaggerated versions of ourselves. Absolutely. It's the best. Which is a fucking blessing to be able to do. It's the it's best. Perfect. It's perfect. No one has to stretch. No one has to do anything but they would say. You know what? Do, you know. I feel like it's a gym. Oh, I feel it is. Like, I feel like it's a comedy gym for us. Right. Like when you talk about improv, when you talk about, you know, stand up, I feel like Real Husbands of Hollywood allows us to work a muscle yeah. that you don't get to work otherwise. Granted, you're in a situation because of the curvy enthusiasm. You get to work that muscle. You get to play. I get to play. You get to play. This here, this is the space where I get to work that muscle. The relationships that we have, the friendships that we have and knowing, knowing our comfort zone with one another. It allows us to go so far, so fucking far. And like JB, when I tell you, I can't wait for people to see this season. I can't wait oh for people God. to see this season. Like they're, I think they're truly going to be blown away just by how fucking stupid we are, man. This is, this is, this is the thing I think that benefits us this season. You know, five years ago, TV wasn't at this point where it is right now. You know, five years ago, you weren't seeing shows like uh, shows on Amazon, shows on Hulu, shows on Netflix, winning all these awards. This is the time waiting those five years. You know, it's a long time to be away from each other. But I truly believe it puts more eyes on the show now. None of us were who we were, you know, from when we first started doing this show. No, no. And this is about 10 years ago. Right? No. The, the original show came out 10 years ago, right? The original show. Yeah, you're, you're, you're probably nine or 10 years. Absolutely. At least, at least. So yes. TV wasn't anywhere where it is right now. You're talking about doing this show, and now we have this opportunity and ability to do uh, an even realer version of The Real Husbands of Hollywood because absolutely on BT Plus. That'd be right. More language, more real situations. You know, this is, and more eyes are going to be on the show. Now, I truly believe from being there with you guys, there's no reason in the world that this show should be nominated for something. Oh, my God. It is truly in the mix with any show.
JB, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. Any show you want to nominate, there's no reason why this show shouldn't be nominated for something because this is this this is classic comedy, um, uh, edgy enough, funny enough, relatable enough. All the things that make a great show, and the cast is amazing. A bunch of knuckleheads actually are friends. Is what makes this show what it is. Man, well, this- you said it perfectly. I mean, I think the thing that that's really special is that everybody scores on our show, right? Uh, I don't believe that there's a star. Like, I'm not the star of Real Husbands of Hollywood. I know that's how it appears to be. Um, you know, my name is doing it, but I'm not the star of that show. You know, we we all collectively play a massive role in everybody, everybody. If we were a basketball team, everybody walks away with 15 to 20 per game. Everybody's averaging uh, double figures in stats and rebounds and assists because everybody can score. And at any point, you know, the storylines can can be thrown on any one of us. And we, we all yeah. can. The, the 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 weight of it and it's it's so unique it's so dope and it doesn't exist you know what you said is true it doesn't exist and people y'all be fucking blown away you know we we dropping real husbands of hollywood this uh it's it's a uh you know by demand popular demand you know we came back with a limited series we did uh six episodes it's gonna be on plus but you guys are definitely gonna get smacked in the mouth with a fucking batch of comedy that you really needed no, smacked your mouth and JB is fucking, so, he's so ridiculous. JB is so ridiculous on this season. It's, I can't even put it into words. Here's what I can tell you about his character. Yeah, I told Larry the same thing. I said, Larry, you be underhand pitch. No, I'm a, I'm a swing that, I'm a swing at the damn, I'm a swing at that damn ball. So, you know, y'all, you know, I think we underhand pitch enough just to give some space, some breathing room in what you want to, what you want to say and bring. You know, to the show. I think that's a, but again, this is like, you know, we go back, going back to that room of those unique powers, of sitting around yes. talking about how they want to save the world. I think it's it's one of those moments again where you have these unique abilities. You know, some of us can fly, or we can run too. Some of us are, you know, bulletproof. Some of us are, you know, and I think that's how you got to look at these ensemble of unique talents and unique people and unique personalities who in common, we are all friends. And I think that's what makes this show so unique and so fun, man. And yeah, I'll say it again. There's no reason why this show You're absolutely right. should be nominated for something, man. It will. It will be. You just mark my words, JB. And remember, I said it to you. Mark my fucking words. It will be. Uh, I don't have a doubt in my mind that it will be. Um, and I also don't have a doubt that you're going to see an abundance of love and appreciation for you, your performance, your talent, after people seeing this. And, you know, I, I love that you gave some tidbits, man. You know, during this, you and your approach to just, like, uh, playing chess, right? Like, you know, after stand-up, after headlining, uh, making a chess move to go and, and fucking do the, the, the writing thing and then going down to Conan. Like, your, your road and your, your, your untraditional path to where you are, man, is one that people should not only understand but just fucking just acknowledge, right? It doesn't have to be about a book. Sometimes you can write your own, man. And JB is proof of that. 
You're proof of that, dude. You have to. And I go back to, I tell young people all the time, you know, I'm a big, big boys and girls club guy. So I tell young people all the time, you know, don't let anybody talk you out of anything, you know. Um, and another thing, another thing I, I, I think about is one thing you'll never see me do, blame myself. Never, I never okay. think people should explain themselves. You are going to live with your decisions. Okay. You're going to live with your path. And when you explain yourself, you are diminishing your path and your journey because you are making an excuse that someone else wants you to give them. So I, I don't believe okay. yourself, especially the people who you don't know. You know what I'm saying? When you, when you explain yourself, you are really making an excuse not to move forward in something that you want to do and how you want to do it. You know, and I think it's very important for all of us who are in this industry, um, young people want to be in front of this camera, to be inspired by the stuff that we do, but also to hear the, hear the journey, hear, hear how they do it that way, but just hear how they did it, mm. you know? Um, you know, and yeah, I, I think that's what, that's the fun part, man. I mean, I'm having, Man, I won't say how old I am, but I saw you clown. Uh, you clown. Uh, you clown somebody in this damn. Yeah. Don Cheatham. Damn, yeah. you don't want to hear You you already know how old my ass is. So, you know, I just turned fifty six. Hey, Kevin, really quick. I have locked myself in as who I think people gonna remember you a certain way. You know. You know how you see that um, that diner? In that damn diner was Elvis Presley and James Dean. And, you know, you have all these, you know, or you see an old photo of Martin Luther King, or you see an old photo of, you know, any, it was prior in his heyday. You know, you see, at some point, how people see you, you stop. You stop. Mm -hmm. And how they remember you is etched in stone. No matter how old your ass get, no matter what okay. happens, you stop at a certain point and people think about you and think about you, a certain image of you that's locked in. And I think if you can think, okay. of, if you can think like that, you can, you can achieve what you need to achieve no matter what you do in life. And I think that uh, you know, I'm having a blast right now. This version of JB is having a blast. At 36 years old, I feel like I felt when I was 30 years old. You look great. You, know? you look great. Yeah, I tell people, hey, you're a big proponent of yeah. taking care of yourself and stuff. Take care of the vehicle you are driving, and you are driving yeah. you. Take care of, of yourself, and everything else comes, man. If you can just have your health and your sanity, you won't be well, good. JB, you got those things. And, and you got an amazing career, an amazing woman. Uh, and the, the key thing is happy. And I love that you are happy. And I'm proud of you. Uh, yeah, man. I'm, I'm happy that I can call you a friend, a brother. And more importantly, I'm happy, dude, that we get to share the things that we share together in this business. We got memories. You know, we didn't, we didn't been in this thing uh, for a long time. And we are 1,000% we are uh, connected. You know, we're 1,000% in tune. And dude, I think that you still got so much more to give. 
And for our listeners, this is why I do the podcast. I do it for you guys to get these tidbits, to get this information, to get the knowledge and understanding of the guy that you think that you may have known that you realize you don't know. And this guy here, man, he's a walking display of fucking happiness. JB, I love you. I appreciate you. Uh, this is Comedy Gold Mines. You know what we do here. We get into the minds of amazing comedians. And oh my God, what an amazing mind this was today. JB Smooth, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Jay. You're the man. Appreciate you, Kev. Comedy Gold Mines is a serious XM and LOL audio production. Executive produced by Kevin Hart, Ty Randolph, and Eric Weil. With Tastemakers Media, Emil Garner, and Ian McDonald. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition, wherever you get your podcasts. Did you guys hear about that couple that went on vacation and one spouse murdered the other? In fact, the entire vacation was planned just so that they could make the murder look like an accident. Ah, so like a slaycation. Oh boy, sounds like a fun new true crime podcast to me. On every episode of Slaycation, we'll examine true cases of people who were killed while on vacation. Was it murder? <coughs> or just a horrible accident? <coughs> That's up to you and the law to decide. But either way, if you leave for your vacation in the plane and come home under the plane, you've definitely gone on a Slaycation. Join us every week for a fascinating new episode. 911, what's your emergency? But make sure to pack your body bags, because getting away can be murder. This is Slaycation. Slaycation.